I'm Roni Michael, Global Head of Innovation for KPG International. For the past 25 years, I've been consulting organizations worldwide around technology transformation, business strategy, and applied innovation. And it is my great pleasure to welcome you to the Back From 2040 podcast, where I ask business leaders, innovators, futurists, academics, and forward thinkers to travel to 2040, tell us what the world looks like, and explore how we got there. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Lisa Andrews and Christina Jurakides, co-CEOs of Singularity University Australia. Lisa is an energized introvert who's inspired by future of perfect knowledge. With a financial data and engineering background, Lisa is working on the question how to give everyone a fair start in life and maximize human potential at each stage throughout life. Christina is a catalyst for change, alchemizing impossible to possible through the unleashing of human potential. She's on a mission to enable the enablers and to empower and inspire leaders to converge minds, technologies, and fields to have maximum impact and solve humanity's grand challenges. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So I'm very curious to hear about your time in 2040. Now, before we dive into 2040, it's important to say this is your 2040, the 2040 you both believe we can get to. So um, let's start with you, Lisa. What struck you the most about your experience when you traveled into 2040? Well, 2040 was such an eye-opener. It did remind me of that time when we didn't know that the internet existed. Uh, and how we couldn't live without it uh, in the 2020s. And I think the biggest thing that stood out for me was that we all had a personalised AI assistant that was so hyper-personalised. I had a few actually, one that was with me for work, one for the gym, one for my social life, and we had so much flexibility to create these. It was like we created a framework of how humans could be their best self and we were able to then set ourselves up for success. I think visual recognition software was a big one. Uh, The information on anything we looked at was at our fingertips, where it come from, the molecular makeup, if it was good for us or not, um, food, materials, people. So imagine that you could actually visually recognise someone when they were walking towards you. We were able to do that and their name popped up, some reminders that I'd set. Uh, I loved being able to transparently read everyone's micro expressions and know how they really felt and how we could collaborate to help each other. It was all so efficient. Wow, so much data coming in. Um, I'd love to to dig in a little bit into how we actually understand and process all of that information. But before we do, Christina, what struck you the most? What what was most outstanding in 2040 for you? all the conversation around creativity and innovation had been realised. So we actually realised that if we use our creativity, we used all the technology that is at our fingertips, we could free ourselves up uh, to that creativity and innovation. The other thing that really struck me was in the 2020s, we were on this road to the convergence of everything. So we were converging minds, we were converging fields. You know, education was interrelated with health, was interrelated with how we lived our daily lives, how we worked, it was all merging into one. Uh, But also, so it was not only the convergence of minds uh, and, and people coming together to create 
things that would help solve humanity's grand challenges. It was also the melding of, you know, the, the boundaries became blurry. So, you know, I think in the in the 2020s, that experience of work-life balance blurring, particularly uh, post-pandemic, and then also the different fields and everything coming together. So it was all this unification. It was almost like we had to do this divergence and then come together um, and converge everything that we knew so that we could live, as Lisa said, live best lives um, in whatever shape, way or form that took. And the living your best life meant different things to different people. Uh, and I think in the 2040s, that was very much a realised thing. We were living in the best that technology had to offer. Um, it was mapped over the wonders of nature uh, and, and everyone's individual energies were coming to the forefront. So we all had a place, uh, which I think is amazing. But for me, that, that whole convergence uh, was something that I really enjoyed. Well, it sounds um, amazing and overwhelming. And and Lisa, I'd love to dive in a little bit into, you know, you were talking about all of this data um, coming into us. So I'm, I'm really interested in understanding, first of all, how did, do we as humans deal with this in 2040? And also, what are the technologies that are enabling that? And which of those do you already see now? Yeah, that's a great question. And I know that in the 2020s, we were all very overwhelmed by information. And so I imagine in uh, 2040, how much information we had access to. And I think if I go super positive for a moment, if you remember that time when we used physical maps and memory for directions, uh, in 2040, we didn't need memory for anything. Uh, I ran into one of my 25,000 LinkedIn connections who I met once back in my 20s. And my AI contact lenses notified me as they were in my proximity and gave me some insights on how to communicate with them, uh, their name, their, their friends' names, their kids' names, what we spoke about uh, last time we were together, all shared just at the right time. So it was really nice to see how we use technology to enhance those connections. And I think looking at the different types of information, what was really important. So task-orientated things such as seeing your doctor and banker doesn't exist in the same way um, because the AI already done all of my paperwork and kept me in the loop. So it was very, very different in the way that we actually process that information and being able to block out things as well. And we got uh, incredibly smart at being able to determine what was important to us and then structuring that kind of information. So technologies, as you asked, was highly utilised with the blockchain and NFTs. So all of the content we create is using secure technology. And my niece had actually created an NFT artwork for me when she was nine. And now that she's so successful in her career, the value of what she created back then and shared is nice to see that we're all supporting those people who were actually there for us as part of our entire journey. So for you, you're not just happy in 2040, you're also rich from your niece's artwork. <laughs> Congratulations. I think putting value into those around us is really important. And the more that you actually can help those around you, the more successful they can be. And that's the concept of community capital that I love, where one plus one is more than two because you're able to support each other and all ships rise. I completely agree. And it's amazing because what you're saying is that technology for everything is already here at our fingertips. It's also really dangerous because we were also um, the exponential impact of creating positive things 
also worked for the negative as well. So we created more environmental issues and space junk that come with our ability to have these almost superpowers. And so it's a huge transition that we went through. Yeah, definitely sounds like that. And Christina, so let, let me just go straight into from what Lisa said about those superpowers that we have. So is this what's enabling us to be super creative? And if so, what, what are the technologies that are supporting us and pushing our creativity forward? So that's a very big question. Uh, it's a great question and I'll do my best to respond. So yes, it was, it, it, and we saw that in the 2020s, it was happening. Uh, we saw AI, robotics, et cetera, were taking over what we later termed as menial tasks, the very repetitive tasks, the tasks that were set up in the industrial um, age, for example. So we eventually got over the fear that that created because collectively we tried to ensure that we didn't leave anyone behind, that people were brought along on an education journey when they wanted to, to come along. But what we managed to do is get an increase in people fearing technology less uh, and accepting the freedom that it brought, just as when the car overtook the horse and cart in the 1900s. Um, in the 2020s, it was let's let go of the fear that we have around some of the technology uh, and that largely worked to an extent because people saw that education could become a worldwide thing. You know, we were, we were using um, continuous internet to help educate people in areas that education had found hard to reach before. So this all allowed people to release uh, a lot of the fear that they had around technology. It also allowed us to pick up humanity so that there was less fear. When there's less fear, there's less anti-social behaviours, et cetera. So we were able to bring a lot of people with us. Uh, but it meant that we could use the technologies uh, to free from menial tasks, which allowed more time for creativity and innovation. It, it allowed us to have the converging conversations. It allowed us to sit around and, you know, we actually went back to conversation. So for all the technology um, that we have, we also had deeper and more meaningful conversations. And I think if anything, the 2020s taught us about the importance of social connection. So we worked really hard at establishing um, and holding on to social connections, whether they were familial, whether they were business, whether they were private, um, they suddenly were viewed, particularly post-pandemic, they were viewed for the importance that they had on ourselves. So there was a convergence of our minds, our bodies, our souls, our spirits, uh, and, and what makes us humans. So even though we had all the ability with AI, robotics, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality, all the different types of technology that are available, we saw them available in the 2020s, they became extensively available, the formats kind of changed. So we went from laptops and computers to glasses to, you know, almost like the lasers in your eyes, etc. Uh, there was also a delving into telepathic communication. So within 20 years, as Lisa mentioned before, we were able to read signals from each other's faces. But it also allowed us to be more human and create and innovate in ways that we had not been free to do since many years before the 2020s. I hope I've answered your question. Oh, yes, indeed. Um, that sounds really so overwhelming. But I did want to ask something, and Lisa, maybe you have an opinion on this. So, so you're talking about a lot of augmented reality, right? So you're talking about uh, visual recognition, you're talking about um, the ability to, to harness all of that AI into data. And we know that 
um, in the 2020s, um, loneliness was one of the biggest pandemics. So my question is, do you feel that those were helpful in bringing a solution into how we support our social life? And how did we manage to go through that hurdle of actually embracing that and helping that um, in our struggle with creating human connections? Um, and not take it to the path where we actually disconnect from human relations altogether. It was definitely a mindset shift. And like you say, in the 2020s, it was such a huge theme and having lockdowns and people that were isolated um, was a really significant issue and then a lot more people become conscious about. And I think when there's ever been any great challenges in history, we've had great innovation. So... The big shift in the 20s was around the people that we work with. And I mentioned earlier the micro expressions. So we might actually be on a video call right now, but do you know the happiness of that person that you're talking to? And we were so caught up in the 2020s of um, being able to jump online that we didn't really realise that you could learn so much more by looking into people's eyes through technology. And so understanding those micro expressions, I think it augmented us significantly to be able to understand the people around us. And also ourselves. So I'm not sure if you've ever had that moment where you uh, were really overwhelmed or really busy and kept telling yourself, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> In the 2040s, uh, the technology lets you know that you may not be. So along that path, it was really cool the way that it was actually putting the human needs first. So how do we want to show up as ourselves? How do we set those baselines to be able to understand when we're away from them? And then how do we connect with those around us. Uh, and in the 2020s, I set myself reminders of weekly call my mom, uh, you know, monthly call certain people and having automated tasks. And our AI did that automatically for us in the future. So if you're not as organized as that and you know that you want to spend a certain amount of time per month with your family, the technology will make sure that it sends you reminders so that you don't get caught in that loneliness. Amazing. I don't know if you want to add to that, Christina, and, and again, specifically around the augmented and, and virtual reality. Yeah, I, virtual reality took off in the 2020s uh, and it continued to be developed. And in the 2020s, we had things like the Tesla suit uh, that actually is a haptic suit that allowed you to, to feel so originally it was, you know, you felt zaps from video games. It's amazing that all this technology stemmed from video games. Uh, and what we eventually did was we were able to, to put anyone in a Tesla suit anywhere on the planet uh, or variations of the Tesla suit because it was the initial one and, and then more haptic suits came along. So you could be living or holidaying on, on the moon motel and you could actually connect and touch somebody or felt like you were touching somebody on earth that was given to us through the haptic capacity. Um, so again, it was the augmented reality of, of putting on the lenses, the glasses, at whatever stage we were leading into the 2040s. And now it's almost just this instant recognition. You hit a button in your head and that kind of happens. But in the 2020s, there was this progression into, hey, I can feel you. Hey, I can see you. Hey, I can touch you. Hey, I feel like I'm in the same room as you, which opened up uh, a multitude of opportunities. And I think, again, you know, post-pandemic, we realised um, that we were never going to go back to the way things were before the pandemic. We would take the best of everything that we could uh, and move it forward. So if we wanted to be in the same room as somebody, fantastic. If that was not possible, 
we had augmented reality, virtual reality, things like the haptic suit to be able to make that possible. And then there's operations. Um, medical procedures could happen through this virtual technology um, using robotics and, and you could have an expert in, uh, in say, for example, in San Francisco operating on somebody in London, the technology actually made that possible. I mean, it started in the 2020s and it just kept developing. At one stage, it looked like technology was going to take over from everything that we were doing. And then I think there was a general transition into technology as a resource. Um, and it does change its form, you know, like a, the, the push bike changed its form. It went from this heavy, clunky machine into something that was made from titanium, you know, to, in the 2040s, they, you know, a, a whole push bike, which people were still riding for exercise and, and, and aerobic um, instruction and to enjoy scenery and everything, weighed hardly anything. So just as that technology transitioned, so has all technology transitioned into easier types and forms for us to use, but that also meant that it became demonetized. So the more people that were using it, the more common it became, the less expensive it was, which meant by the 2040s, it's not to say that that divide wasn't still there, but the divide that was becoming greater in the 2020s actually shrunk as we did this divergence from, from divergence to convergence uh, and also brought people together through education, through better health, um, through clean water, electricity, et cetera, uh, and, and brought us to a place where technology was truly able to be used as a resource. And that's what's developed. The resource has developed. The way we've used it, the way we live, we are very much more aware of what our human needs are. Both of your 2040s sounds so amazing. And I know now in the 20s, um, it just, there's, there's so many issues around not just trusting data, but trusting technology and trusting how other people will use technology. I just wanted to touch that for a second. And, and more specifically, what has enabled us to trust technology in the 40s? Um, what has enabled us to reach that point where we can just use it freely as a resource, like you're saying? Uh, so it was a journey. Um, again, through the 2020s, I think uh, it became increasingly obvious that transparency wasn't there, authenticity wasn't there. Uh, and it was something that people had a bigger voice in because technology enabled us to be um, all over a lot of different debates. And, and we received news and information in so many different ways that we were then more aware. So again, the divide became greater uh, because people didn't have that trust. And I believe it actually had to come together or it had to collapse completely in order for us to find where that trust and the authenticity was. So there was a demand for trust. There was a demand for authenticity that led to a new age really of leadership. So it, was a, it, it wasn't just a fast trip from lack of trust to everybody trusts everybody, but it was a gradual journey on how do we wanna live? What is important? And yes, you mentioned generational before. I think it has been every generation's dream, but it became more demanded, if you like. It became something that was more intrinsic. We chose more where we wanted to work, where your values are aligned. Um, by the 2040s, it was like a non-negotiable thing. Amazing. I really want to just kind of recap some of the things that we already spoke about. So what I'd like to, to maybe go back to is 
What do you think is the biggest lesson that we learned from the 20s to our 40s and what the, were the most meaningful things that we did to actually affect our life, our wellness, our well-being, um, to make that reality happen? Yes, absolutely. So I think a lot of this that I talk about is um, is almost you'll have a digital twin. And so think about the digital version and the digital footprint that you actually have right now. And as an example, I, I went through in the early 20s and digitized my life in um, scanning in every single photo, having my digital bookshelf with all of the books, every single item that I owned and loved, including outfits I took photos of, and I was able to create this online version and and everything that I wrote uh, was all online in a computer. So I, I gave Digital Lisa uh, that name and I really identified that she was a human living uh, in the in the digital space. So being conscious about what goes out there and what you, the message you're putting out there to the world and understanding is that a good representation of the, the human version of you. And I think being conscious and being able to set yourself up for success is actually recognising it and, like I say, big data, big insights and then big action. So structuring it in a conscious way is definitely something that uh, I'm I'm doing and I'm, I'm conscious about as, as um, you know, technology will always continue. We may exist digitally online forever. So creating that version of yourself that you want to know and what you, you want your grandkids to know would be really cool. That's so true. Uh, what about you, Christina? What would you say were the biggest lessons and what do you think you'd implement right now in this reality? I believe that a lot of the reality and the things that landed in the 2040s, we're starting now. So let's just hurry up uh, and get there. The message I'd like to bring back from the 2040s is that we have the capability, we have the capacity, we have to flip our thinking on what the economic benefits are um, because there's great economic benefits in people living their best and healthiest lives. There's great economic benefits when you have the freedom to, to be the creative and innovative um, human that we are all capable of being, that we see evidence of, you know, whether it was the 2020s or whether it was the 2040s, the capacity for creativity and innovation in children is just absolutely remarkable. And by the 2040s, we were able to really enhance that but we had to learn all the lessons. Uh, so let's learn those lessons faster um, and let's use the technology and the resources that we have in the 2020s to create, you know, to, to further create or to get to the 2040s faster than maybe what we could get there. Wow, this has been such a fascinating discussion. And I love the fact that we started talking about technology, data, AI, augmented reality, and we ended up talking about education, empathy, consciousness, um, everything that we can actually uh, implement right here, right now, um, that really struck me as, as amazing. Um, it, it's been so interesting. Lisa, Christina, I can't thank you enough for joining this podcast. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it immensely. I hope you did as well. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Back From 2040, the KPMG podcast where our guests travel to 2040 and back and tell us all about it. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast channel. And if you have any feedback, you can email us on innovation.team at kpmg.com.